Report with Pam Yonke. Well, how'd you do with trick-or-treaters at your house? I'll tell you what, again this year, I didn't see a one. Now, granted, if I were the parents or the kids, I don't know that I would have really found that weather all that friendly last night. Good morning, everybody. Fabulous Farm Babe Pam Yonke. Glad to be along with you. Yeah, um, now all of a sudden I've got a bucket full of candy that's going to have to disappear, and unfortunately, I think I know who's going to eat it. Today, it looks like our temperatures start improving. We'll still be below normal today under cloudy skies. 39 are expected high. Tomorrow, slow climb up. Cloudy skies in 48. Friday, cloudy skies in 51. Saturday, partly sunny, 52. And Sunday, cloudy skies, 53 degrees. We'll find out how Stumuck did, not only with trick-or-treaters, but with this forecast. He's coming up in a little bit. The Biden administration sending some of their U.S. Department of Agriculture undersecretaries to the Midwest, talking about how farmers can tap into money from the Inflation Reduction Act. Nate Zimdar has got a chance to visit with senior White House advisor Will McEntee into some of the details about that Inflation Reduction Act that maybe some folks in agriculture have missed. Stick around for that. And 50 years, the Association of Women in Agriculture has been gathering strong female leaders in agriculture together. Going to take a look back on that history for you as well on this Wednesday. Stick around. Keeping Wisconsin strong. You're grateful for all the ways technology can connect us. Unfortunately, there are online scammers who want to take advantage. Malicious viruses, phishing scams, and identity theft are more prevalent than ever. That's why Rural Mutual includes cybersecurity protection as an option on every policy. Rural Mutual Insurance. Keeping Wisconsin strong. Protovate Nutritional Seed Enhancer is an 80-20 talc graphite replacement that provides the critical nutrients corn and soybeans need for early and uniform emergence. Learn more at getgreatergrowth.com. UW-Platteville researchers are on the farm looking at how to make it easier for Wisconsin dairymen to graze their cattle. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, The farm belongs to Chris Wilson. Chris is the sixth generation on Wilson Organic Farms in Cuba City. They rotationally graze about 500 cows across 900 acres of pasture. And every day, sometimes twice a day, they move those electric fences from section to section. It's labor intensive, and that's why there's a campus team out there to figure out how to rotationally graze without a fence. The project is in its third year through the UW Dairy Innovation Hub, and it's going to be the focus at the upcoming Dairy Summit happening November 15th at UW-Platteville. Chris tells me more about how they graze their animals and how this research project will result in on-farm solutions for similar dairymen across the state. We have requirements through our co-op and Every animal on the farm must get a minimum of 30% dry matter intake from grazing during the grazing season. We pasture all of our heifers and dry cows into pastures that we rotate through paddocks um, across about 600 acres. The milk cows, we do what's called intensive grazing, where we have about 225 acres that we will move the cows to a different spot every single day. And sometimes when, you know, grass is in the flush, like in May, uh, early June, we'll move them twice a day. And what that means is we can find them in a, in a smaller area so that they're able to eat all the grass that's there, a large percentage of it. And then we will move them to a new spot the next day. And that 
creates more of a a harvest look to that grazing where they they really do take off a high percentage and mow it down to about that ideally around that four or five inches and then that grass is able to start regrowing right away as soon as they're off of it and and rebound and they won't get back to those spots for anywhere from 30 to 50 days just depending on the weather the time of year uh, moisture and, and those variables to go out there every day and sometimes twice a day like you said that can be a burdensome process it is more labor intensive. It's also management intensive. You really, you can think of how you know, mixing a TMR ration, you can control that. In that rotational grazing, you have to control the pastures, you have to control the feed intake, and then complement what they're not getting from the pasture in that TMR ration that we have in our freestyle facilities. So it's very complicated, and then and then it also, it requires labor. It's fairly sophisticated. So That's where the virtual grazing concept came in. And Chris, that's how you got connected with Professor Hal Evanson at UW-Platteville, who is looking at how to relieve some of those strains. You call it virtual grazing. What does that mean? Currently, cattle are confined with fencing, electric fencing. And we have what we use is called temporary fencing, which is basically you roll it up and put stakes in and move the cattle every day, right? and then the cattle stay in between those sections uh, most of the time. There's new technology that's been developed over about the last decade that on rangeland, so you're thinking it first was developed in Australia and and has been applied more in the U.S. and more like uh, your rangeland areas like Texas, uh, Colorado, and Montana, you know, some of those rangeland states that are grazing large, large areas. And what they they have is is basically like uh, technology that, can show the the location of the cattle, and then you can zone it through software, you know, or a phone app that you can put them in a a certain area that generally, you know, what we're talking in those instances is that you're trying to keep them within like a thousand acre square area, right? Because they've got thousands of acres of rangeland. So they're trying to keep them in a certain area of that rangeland, and those are applied that way. We're trying to take similar concepts but use different technologies because there's a more challenging aspect to it. And we're trying to control and keep the cattle in areas that are, you know, for example, one to two acres and uh, a much smaller area that, that would mimic what we're doing now with fencing, but do it with, with a combination of, of those location sensors and then other potential tools that you would use to keep them confined in those areas without that fencing. So basically taking away that, those fence posts and that, that fencing. So would an easy comparison be like an electric collar for a dog? It'd be similar to that. We are exploring other avenues that aren't necessarily shock-related, but that, that's a similar concept, right? You have a shock collar for a dog. You put that virtual fencing in. When I was a kid, you literally had to bury it. Now you can basically just, it's GPS and it, it is a border. The difference being is that, you know, a herd our size, we have 500 animals. A dog, you can take that collar off, it comes back in the house and charge that battery up, no problem, right? Cows, it's a lot harder to take those tags off, charge them, so there's a battery component to it. One of your primary limitations is what you can store for electricity, and then your consumption of that electricity is the other variable. So looking at sensors and tools that have very low battery usage is 
is kind of what we've been doing a lot of research around and, and what the students and, and UW Plattville has been just phenomenal at at pushing the boundaries and, and, and trying, you know, some brand new technologies that, that aren't even necessarily being used in, in commercial production right now. So that's been a lot of fun. And speaking of limitations, like with what you said about electric storage for batteries, what about internet availability for devices that rely on broadband connection? The goal is to keep it fairly localized. So, you know, the network and the system would be literally in the pasture with the cattle, you know, self-operating that way. There would be a component for communication reasons to be able to communicate with that network that, that, would, that would connect into it. So if you wanted to set your boundaries and those things, then conceptually, yeah, you would need the Internet or the ability to reach a, an outside network that would connect to a phone or computer to set those boundaries. And, and, and then also the other aspect to it, too, and, and this is where, you know, the dairy world can kind of relate uh, with newer technologies that there would be location-based sensors and, and other um, other sensors that are, you know, collecting whether a cow's moving, whether she's got her head tilted down and is chewing on grass, things like that, that would be collected in that, that data conceptually, too. Chris, what's it like hosting a research project on the farm? Has your life changed at all? Do you have to do things a little differently? Not too much. I mean, I think we've always been fairly open to outside research and new ideas. We've always had, you know, whether it's looking at trialing different things in the calf barn or running research on things that are, you know, happening in the milk cow herd. We've kind of always had that happening since I grew up on the farm. My dad's always been fairly progressive and and my cousins have always been, you know, now that they've taken over, kind of maintained that mindset that, you know, we always have to be looking at things and, and seeing what we could do differently and do do better. So it doesn't really impact the day-to-day operations much. We do have tools and and, uh, stations that are sitting in the pasture right now. So, you know, we do have to kind of make sure the cattle can't get into those and we mow around them. But in the big picture, it's not that big a deal. He says the cows don't mind it either. And he's enjoyed having students come out to the farm that haven't been up close to cows before and are learning a thing or two about farm life. I asked him to tell us the biggest takeaway he's gotten so far from this research project. The big takeaway is that technology is changing fast and there is going to be just a, a lot of available tools over the next decade that we never thought, we never even imagined a decade ago. So I think that that's been a lot of fun and, and just pretty eye-opening to see the, the advancements being made. And and I think the other aspect to it, too, is just like how bright and gifted the students are that, that I've been able to work with. I mean, there's some really, really smart engineers at Platteville, and it's been a lot of fun to to work with them. Chris Wilson taking some time with us from Wilson Organic Farms in Cuba City. Not only does he milk cows, but he's also hosting a UW Platteville team of researchers. And over the past three years, they've been exploring how to rotationally graze dairy cows without a fence. Moving the fences around every day is what makes it so labor intensive. Chris will be answering more questions about this virtual grazing project at the Dairy Summit coming up on November 15th at UW Platteville. And this free conference, open to the public, will showcase the work happening through the UW Dairy Innovation Hub. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Stephanie Hoff. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A Skincare Minute with Skincare Expert, Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Ann, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. Alex is just and like adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. And it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. An industry that feeds the world is definitely an industry worth talking about. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Ah, the weather. Everybody in Wisconsin talking about it. Let's do the same. Time for our Compure Financial Ag Weather Update on a Wednesday. Stu Muck, Ag Meteorologist, along with us. I started the show by saying that I didn't get a one trick-or-treater last night. Now, I'll preface it by saying I live on a cul-de-sac up a hill. So that sometimes deters the little ghouls and goblins. But uh, every time I looked out last night, there was the wind was just blowing and it was just cold. I can't fault parents or kids for for sticking in. How'd you do in the thriving metropolis of Eden with visitors? Well, we're out in the country, so if you you look around about a half mile anywhere, I think the youngest kid is already driving and working. So <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of quiet, you know. Yeah. No, you were saying though that uh, the weather did influence some communities in their celebration, huh? Yeah, I heard this morning the city of Sheboygan had trick-or-treating last night, but they called it. They did a mulligan. They're going to try it again this afternoon. Uh, they picked up about an inch and a half of snow yesterday and had the wind, and, and they postponed trick-or-treating until November 1st. Wow. Well, then regroup. Don't eat all that candy today and get ready for them tonight. Uh, you know, the good news about this forecast is it is improving. Oh, yeah, it is improving. Things are going to seem a lot better today because, number one, we're not going to have snow falling. And even though it may still be a little breezy, it's a southwest breeze that brings in a little more mild air going to melt off some of that snow we've accumulated. I'm hearing a lot of two-inch amounts, uh, three inches at Plymouth. 
uh, just that kind of stuff. I got a wise guy picture this morning of a friend of mine in a snowmobile all fired up. He's ready. Uh, but we don't have to deal with that. I think that snow is going to melt pr fairly quickly in the next day or two. Today, in fact, some sunshine around. And with southwest breezes, a little more mild air building in. Low pressure is way out to the west in the western Dakotas. The other system way off to our east, pulling away from the east coast, in fact, with some snow way out in parts of New York and New Jersey. Things are pretty quiet then for us, and I expect a couple of days of quiet weather. Some clouds linger. We're not going to clear it out and get really sunny, but there will be some nicer temperatures pushing up into the 40s, maybe even a 50 as we head toward Friday, and in the 50s for the weekend. By the weekend, a weak system and a weak little warm front try to wedge on in. That may account for a little small chance of some rain. Could be even late Friday night in a few spots, later Saturday and others. I don't anticipate much for precipitation, but a few raindrops, at least that's along with more mild temperatures where those highs stay in the 50s as we look ahead toward the weekend. If there's any snow that sticks around that long, it's not going to stand much of a chance. Next week, starting out maybe with a little cooling and again, a few showers that become a possibility. I'll have forecast details right after this. Ooh, it's that time of the year again. Football and tailgating. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee here for my friends at Bavaria Sausage. You know where they're at, don't you? They're on the corner of Nesbitt Road, Fitchrona Road in Fitchburg. Open Monday through Friday, 9 until 5, or open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for your shopping convenience online. BavariaSausage.com. Ooh, think about that tailgate. You want to bring a charcuterie board? Well, they've got everything you need for a successful one. Cheese, sausage, lawn yoggers crackers, spreads, even some desserts. And of course, if you're putting anything on that grill, you know it's got to have the old world authentic flavor of Bavaria sausage brats and now offering burgers. You can find it all online, BavariaSausage.com or Bavaria Sausage on Facebook and make sure that your charcuterie board impresses everyone and that your tailgate party is the one everyone wants to attend. Bavaria Sausage. Just got a message on our talk text line from Tommy up in Stockbridge. Said a couple inches of snow yesterday for the pooch to play in. But uh, outside of that, you know, uh, not a lot of snow still remains. Hey, Stu? No, it's going to disappear in a hurry. I know there's a nice little covering on my deck. I refuse to shovel, so I'll let Mother Nature handle that. But our Compure Financial Ag Weather Forecast is for more of a partly sunny day today. That's going to help a lot. And I expect our temperatures in the upper 30s, 38, 39 degrees. We may have a 40 here or there with the southwest winds at 5 to 10. More clouds develop overnight, but they clear out before daybreak. Mid or upper 20s, if you will, 27, maybe a 28. South winds 5 to 15. Partly sunny on Thursday in the upper 40s, 47 or 48. Southwest winds 5 to 10 and mostly cloudy Friday and around 50. Southwest winds 5 to 15. Like I say, Pam, maybe a sprinkle late Friday or a little later Saturday. But temps in the 50s right through the weekend. All right. I'll take that for sure. Good enough, buddy. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Got it. See you then. Stumacher, Ag Meteorologist, with your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Compure Financial is your financial partner when it comes to agriculture and rural America. You can find all their resources in an agent office near you. Just go to Compure.com. I'm heading to Compure and Fond du Lac a little bit later this week, as a matter of fact. All right. Uh, they're heading to Wisconsin. 
Biden administration, USDA officials coming to the state tomorrow. The president himself is going to be in Minnesota today. What are they talking about? Why are they targeting farms and agriculture? Well, we're going to find out. Nate Zimdar has got the background for us with senior White House advisor, uh, Will McInn. He's coming up on the way. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Here's another remarkable success story from QC Kinetics. This one from Chad, who hurt his knee at the gym one day, and it just kept on hurting for months. From my high school football and wrestling days, I already had a little bit of damage in there, but this just sent it over the edge. Chad tried traditional treatments with no improvement. When he turned to the non-surgical regenerative treatments at QC Kinetics. It was really fascinating how they did their work, and the science behind it was very intriguing, and it works. Extracting the cure out of my own body blew my mind. It's like I'm brand new again. It was fantastic. That's because the QC Kinetics natural biologic treatments use your body's own healing power to restore damaged tissue in your hips, shoulders, back and knees, providing long-lasting relief. Now I'm back at the gym. I'm 100% feeling great. If you're tired of suffering with pain from arthritis or injury, call QC Kinetics now for a free consultation. Call QC Kinetics 608-319-1750. That's 608-319-1750. 608-319-1750. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. If your walls could talk, what would they say? I have sent children into fits of rage. I am responsible for a child's speech impediment. I am the reason a child can't read. Just because you can't see lead paint doesn't mean it's not on walls, doors, windows, and sills. Today, lead paint poisoning affects over 1 million children. If your home was built before 1978, log on to leadfreekids.org or call 800-424-LEAD. Brought to you by the Coalition to End Childhood Lead Poisoning, EPA, HUD, and the Ad Council. The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They totally wreck your bathroom, swindle you out of a ton of money, then disappear into the dark of night. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who completes the job as promised, is cost-conscious, then leaves you with a sweet thank-you note. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a free consultation. ActuateLLC.com. Design, create, actuate. You're worth so much more. Have you ever had the choice to accumulate wealth or go into debt? Let's play Would You Rather. Would you rather have $190,000 in total compensation or be $29,000 in debt? That's the choice between paying for a bachelor's degree that might not even land you a job or an apprenticeship with Liuna that will lead to job security, a pension, stability, and a lifetime of great wages. You're worth so much more. Go to LiunaWisconsin.org slash join to learn how to accumulate wealth instead of debt. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin 
You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. At Berkshire Automotive, we have a non-commissioned sales team, which is a polite way to say we don't really care whether you buy a practical Equinox, the rugged Silverado, or the speedy new Corvette. You've been told no before? Join the Berkshire Automotive family for the yes. At Bergstrom Automotive, we teach our people to take no out of the vocabulary. Is no in your vocabulary? Uh, no. No isn't a thing at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family. The Badgers looked decent well, against Ohio State. Like this, That was the most complete game the Badgers had played all season. I know it's a loss, but that was the most complete game they had played all season uh, despite all the injuries. And um, there was a there was a point in time there where you thought maybe just maybe they could have shot the Ohio State, and then Marvin Harrison Jr. did his thing, and then it was you know over from there. Uh, was, um, he's pretty good, but boys, that game, RJ, you were in the stadium. Rowdy was in the Sea of Humanity down at the Red Zone. I had to go home, so I watched it from my couch. So we all had a little different viewing of it. What was the stadium like? No fan base left that game happy. No, well, yeah, I mean you're I mean, there watching and hoping Ohio there's a, State like. They like, were, Ohio State were, didn't leave happy either. Right. They were, well, fans too. They were around us being like, it's going to be a bloodbath. And, like, like even, like, like in the third quarter when it was tied, like, they weren't talking. They weren't cheering their own plays. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, they get those 14 points, start chatting it up again, and had some guy in my crowd go, sit down, shut the F up, oh. and get that F out of here. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but that guy did it as he was leaving after the they went up fourteen. <laughs> well, so I was like, um, it doesn't really. All right. Everyone at the red zone was like, McCord's gonna lose this for us. McCord will be the reason why that we don't want. And he had a fumble, what two picks? So he was yeah. he was trying his hardest. He's trying. Well, it was definitely a different atmosphere at the red zone. Like we talked about how busy it was, and it was like the most people you've seen out all year. Yeah. The beer garden outside at the red zone was packed. It was arguably even more packed inside the red zone, especially because it was was getting colder out. But I would say there was a large contingency of fans inside the red zone that, yeah, they were sitting there talking and in groups, but they were actually watching the game. Because, like, you know how when it's, like, the Georgia Southerns of the world or the... You just drink. It's socializing, talking. You have maybe one eye on the TV, and then when someone starts cheering, you look up and you hear stuff, so you're not Mm -hmm. actively watching it closely. 
there were a lot of people that were actually sitting there making sure they were in their spot in front of the TVs when, you know, it's packed and were actually watching the game. That was probably one of the more closely watched games that I have had while being at yeah. the red zone because it was that big of a game. It was a night game and, and most people there were doing it. Now, were there still people socializing? Of course, yeah. Oh, yeah. but there was way more people watching. intently watching than socializing at the red zone. And it was that packed. Yep. Nice. How was it at your house? Uh, <laughs> a little more subdued than you guys as both. I ended up probably drinking just as much as I would have if I was downtown in the red zone. Uh, but, yeah, it was there. Uh, Jen, my wife, actually was, like, somewhat invested in the game. I was oh, watching nice. it. And uh, it, it was a little quieter. Okay. It was easy um, to get to the bathroom. Oh, nice. The drinks were very cheap. And uh, it wasn't cold. Okay. So it was nice. But at the end of the day, I think we all left. Uh, I didn't leave my house, but I left the <laughs> the living room feeling, I think, the same way you may have left the game or Rowdy may have left the red zone. was like, that wasn't a, the loss wasn't bad. Like right. it was, it was, I don't want to say moral victory. It was, it, you left as a measuring stick. We talked about this on Saturday and Friday. As a measuring stick, you're like, maybe we're not that far off from what Luke Fickle's trying I to do. I was disappointed here. in the defense. Or, sorry, I was disappointed in the offense. I thought the defense came out and, I mean, we, went, we mentioned on Friday, we mentioned on the, you know, zone blitz pregame bash that Wisconsin had to capitalize on the energy, the fact that it was Halloween, the fact that it was a night game, the fact that uh, they were coming off of a big-time win while Ohio State also coming off of a big-time win, but it felt like more of a letdown spot for Ohio State. It was more mm -hmm. of a momentum spot for Wisconsin. Wisconsin had to come out and really take control early, and if this was going to be a good game, they'd have to come out with that energy and play well. The defense did. Yeah, The defense came out right away. What, they get that stop? They get the turnover? Mm -hmm. Like, the defense was playing well. The offense was just horrible. Now, I get it. <laughs> we talked about how... Ohio State's this is one of their better defenses mm -hmm. in a while so it, I mean I get it but it was like Braylon Allen laying the football on the floor multiple times yeah. luckily they got it back uh Once. one time yeah but it was like that was a backbreaker or I understand that Vaco's hit or you know was <laughs> kicking a 54 yard field goal but man he dinked that or dicked that one you like you needed it you ne like you know what i mean like the offense needed to do more to keep that energy up where it felt like kind of in the middle second half mm -hmm. spreading farm information and occasionally manure this is the farm report with pam yonke well if you can find a dry spot you might be able to start spreading today we're going to be a little bit below normal as far as highs 39 what we're expecting today tomorrow partly sunny 48 Friday, more clouds and 51. Saturday, we've got a 17% chance of rain right now in the forecast, 52. And then Sunday, uh, cloudy skies, 53 degrees. I'm Pam Yankee. Glad you're along with us on this, the first day of November. Let's see. On this day, back in 1870, the U.S. Weather Bureau was established in Wisconsin. Milwaukee office of the U.S. Weather Bureau established located in the Chamber of Commerce building at the corner of Broadway and East Michigan in downtown Milwaukee. December of that year, the office was relocated to the insurance building on the corner of East Michigan Street and North Water Street. First U.S. Weather Bureau established downtown Milwaukee on this day back in 1870. On this day in 1902, the UW's winning streak got snapped. University of Wisconsin football team had a 17-game winning streak snapped on this day back in 1902 by the University of Michigan's infamous 
point-a-minute machine. They beat the Badgers 6 to nothing. The game drew over 20,000 fans to Marshall Field in Chicago on this day back in 1902. Happy birthday this morning to singer-songwriter Lyle Lovett, 66 years young, and now you know. It's a Wednesday, and that means it's time for us to catch up with our friends from the Steffes Group. Come on now, you know how to spell it, don't you? S-T-E-F-F-E-S group.com. Fantastic website that is just absolutely chock full of great information. If you're shopping, thinking about an auction, or looking at land sales, uh, 800-726-8609, the number if you want to talk to them. Kind of arrange what you are planning for 2024, 800-726-8609. As usual, Ashley Hoon from the Steffes Group is along with us from the thriving metropolis of the Fargo area. That uh, weather is changing on us quick, isn't it, Ashley? Yeah, it really is. I'm up here for a director meeting, and uh, yeah, what a change once we got into town. Yeah, There's a little bit of that S word on the ground. <laughs> Yeah, it is still it still feels like it's a dirty word, but we'll I'm sure coalesce into it. So let's talk just a little bit. Uh, now that we're still harvesting here in Wisconsin, a lot of guys busy, busy, busy. But so are you guys. Uh, this week, you've got some fantastic auctions that people will want to follow online uh, for sure. Tell me a little bit about what this week alone has in store for you, Ashley. Yeah, exactly. You know, and as we get through this fourth quarter here, it's only going to ramp up. So. I'd call it almost a slow week for us, but, you know, across our trade area, there's 12 auctions this week. Six of them are farm real estate, um, two are farm retirements, and we've got a dealership group with some nice uh, late model green equipment that's here in Fargo, so take a look at that. And then, you know, the reality is, is we still got 109 auctions to go between now and the end of the year. So, like I said, it's going to start ramping up. There's just going to be a lot of transactions going on, and, and so... What does that mean uh, for the buyers? If I'm looking on the website right now, there's 325 tractors currently on there that are going to be sold by auction. Yeah, and like you said, it is going to be fast and furious. I know that folks are distracted, continuing with the harvest, trying to get ahead of that S word, as we said. But, man, you're going to want to try to get those deals done. I know how it goes before the end of the calendar year. Talk with your accounting specialist, your tax manager, find out what the game plan is. And for folks in Wisconsin that might want to move a piece of equipment, we are still talking consignment sale in Wisconsin before the end of the calendar year. Yeah, we are. So right away in December, we're going to be doing that. So there's still um, a couple, two, three weeks here to give us a call and consign to that online auction. I, I really think that this is going to be a really good time for sellers. You know, we never know what next year is going to bring, but we know the market's good now. We know there's some profitability with the farmers. And they're going to spend some money to uh, take care of that 179 before the end of the year. Yeah, we always do. We always do. And if you want to kind of arrange your uh, involvement in the consignment auction, specifically targeting Wisconsin geography, 800-726-8609. That's 800-726-8609. Ashley, I'm just kind of curious. You mentioned that you've got quite a few uh, land sales that are up on stephasgroup.com. How are you feeling? What are you seeing as far as stats and general interest uh, as we kind of go through this week? Well, I, I think there's a lot of interest out there. There's a lot of people um, wanting to buy land, and there are some few people who have purchased, So, and we know how expensive it is. They're, they might be tapped out. So I think the market is, is in a plateau situation right now. Mm -hmm. um, in some cases, on maybe some of the marginal ground has retracted a little bit, but it's, 
it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I agree, especially as we get ready to go into that new calendar year. You don't want to miss the opportunities that are presented today at stephesgroup.com, S-T-E-F-F-E-S group.com. And don't forget for you Wisconsin folks that might have a, a piece or two that you'd like to uh, get involved with their consignment auction, make sure that you are calling them and letting them know, uh, get that item on their list. That's 800-726-8609. As usual, Ashley Hewen with the Steffes Group along with us. You hear that? That's the sound of Dairyland Seed bringing the yield bigger and better than ever before. We're talking our best corn of all time, our strongest silage lineup ever, and the greatest soybeans in our history. We're talking a full lineup of seed proven to outperform the competition once again in independent head-to-head trials. See the performance data for yourself at showmetheyield.com. That's showmetheyield.com. Whether it's finally getting that blue ribbon or enjoying too many carnival rides, we all have memories of the fair. Here's your chance to share those stories in our Everybody Has a Fair Story contest. The Midwest Farm Report is teaming up with the Wisconsin Association of Fairs as they celebrate 100 years of fairs to share the fair story. Entries are being accepted all summer long and there are cash prizes. To enter and see full contest details, visit MidwestFarmReport.com. Pretty quiet in the markets in overnight activity. Yesterday in Chicago, barrel cheese gained a half at 165 and a half. 40 pound block cheese was down three at 168 and a half. Double A butter down two, still at 328 a pound. This morning in Chicago, again, kind of quiet as far as markets are concerned. December corn currently is unchanged at 479 a bushel. November soybeans are down two at 1285. July wheat, that's unchanged, 619 a bushel. The class three milk contracts for November down to at seventeen seventeen a hundred weight. December milk is up to currently at seventeen oh seven a hundred weight. And if you're curious, Dow Jones Industrial Average this morning also currently down ninety five points. Big congratulations going out this morning to all of the members now or in the past of the Association for Women in Agriculture. This group started. Back in 1973, when about 10 women that were studying agriculture came together and said, hey, where would we like to focus our attention? Social, professional, women need a place to get together. That was at a time when a lot of the men's ag living units on campus, the AGRs, Babcock House, and DTS, were really dominant on the agriculture campus. So those 10 women decided to found the Cooperative of Women in Agriculture. Well, then they found out they couldn't use the phrase cooperative, so they changed the name to Association of Women in Agriculture, drafted bylaws in the fall of 1974, set their dues at just a dollar an individual. Went from basically those 10 founding members the following year, fall of 75, 12 members shared rent for $3.75 apiece a semester at a location on Prospect Street that became to came to be known as the AWA House. They had memberships soar to 47 members. They reached out to an advisor that would help guide the group and found Dr. Larry Satter, who stepped in. He obviously later went on to become the director of the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Dairy Forage Research Center. So those 10 women started the Association of Women in Agriculture, back really on this day in 1973, celebrating their 50th anniversary. Congratulations to all.
Well, the Biden administration was in Minnesota yesterday focused in on the Infrastructure Reduction Act and what it brings for production agriculture, specifically in the areas of conservation. Tomorrow, USDA undersecretaries will be in Wisconsin. Nate Zimdars brings us the details up next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Have you ever had an MRI through the hospital where you're crunched inside a scary tube-like tunnel? MH Imaging in Middleton provides the spacious comfort of a completely open design MRI, the most updated concept in MRIs. It's an open MRI, open for everyone, regardless of insurance or doctor affiliation, for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And the results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit mhimaging.com. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you, or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh, that needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local, William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Sweet of Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof anymore. There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters. It's one and done. It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweet of Metal roof. S-W-I-T-A MetalRoofing.com Sweet of Metal Roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com. Over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. If your conversations always start with the weather, welcome to the Midwest Farm Report. Investment in rural America has been a continuous conversation among farmers and other rural residents as more people continue to move to the suburbs and urban areas. Rural communities feel left behind by the government. I'm Nate Zimdars with the Midwest Farm Report, and that reality is why the Biden administration has announced an Investing in Rural America series of events in which the president will be traveling across rural parts of the country to talk about the work his administration is doing to support our rural communities. I spoke with senior White House advisor Will McEntee about what the administration is doing to invest in and support farmers in rural communities throughout Wisconsin. What does the Biden administration see as the greatest challenges facing rural America currently? Much of those concerns that we have are really areas in which this administration is investing in rural communities and in partnership with family farmers and ranchers across the country. And and that's what President Biden and the cabinet will lift up through this Investing in Rural America event series that the president and Secretary Vilsack will kick off in Minnesota. And part of that concern is, is really around the lack of investment 
in critical infrastructure in rural communities that have often, unfortunately, been ignored during previous administrations, but under President Biden's leadership are finally seeing the critical investments that they need. And that's for everything ranging from high-speed internet to safe roads and bridges to reliable and affordable electricity and so many other areas that we're investing in through the bipartisan infrastructure law. He'll also address some of the ways in which we're creating new and better agricultural markets to increase competition. We've seen as markets have consolidated, especially in the meat and poultry industry, we've seen farmers and ranchers see less take-home profits from the work that they do to produce our nation's food. And through the administration's efforts to expand independent meat and poultry processing capacity, we're giving farmers more options and fairer prices and reducing that reliance on a small handful of large meat and poultry corporations. And we expect that these investments are also providing consumers with more choices and affordable prices at the grocery store as well. What is the timeline for the dispersal of these funds and how can farmers and others who are looking for that financial support access that money? Many of these programs are being implemented on a rolling basis, and we have, again, with a lens for providing that technical assistance to rural communities and really trying to make this as easy as possible for communities across the country to access, have created a few different tools. And a couple that I would just mention, one is our bipartisan infrastructure law rural playbook, which you can find at build.gov slash rural. That covers all of the funding opportunities through the infrastructure law that were designed for rural communities. That build.gov slash rural is updated with timeline for when those funding opportunities are available, has some of the application deadlines and some of the criteria for which entities and communities can apply for those opportunities. I would also point out, if you visit just build.gov, there's a new technical assistance guide that the White House put out last month that incorporates both the infrastructure law investments, but also the investments through the Inflation Reduction Act that provide funding for, for rural clean energy and funding in other critical areas as well. And that typical assistance guide, similar to the bipartisan infrastructure law rule playbook, has a breakdown of when some of those funding opportunities are available and is updated on a rolling basis as well. So, so one of the parts of the plan is bringing new revenue to farms. How is the administration currently bringing new revenue to farms and what are new revenue opportunities you intend to support farmers in pursuing? A few different ways. One of those areas is through our investments in climate smart agriculture. So the Inflation Reduction Act included $19.5 billion for USDA conservation programs, which means that hundreds of thousands of farmers and ranchers will have the resources to apply practices that many of which are already very popular with farmers and ranchers, especially in the Midwest. Practices like cover cropping, conservation tillage, wetland restoration, prescribed grazing, nutrient management, tree planting, and more to millions of acres of land across the country. And so this has both a direct climate mitigation benefit, but again, provides new revenue stream for many family farms and ranchers. That's building off of the groundbreaking Partnership for Climate Smart Commodities initiative that USDA has implemented. That's more than $3.1 billion for 141 projects that seek to build and expand market opportunities for American commodities produced using climate smart practices. Point to the investments on the input side as well, including 
investments to spur production of independent American-made fertilizer. USDA has made $900 million available through the Fertilizer Production Expansion Program, which will increase innovative domestic fertilizer production, create jobs in rural communities, and give farmers more options. And then finally, the importance of expanding market opportunities for biofuels, which are so critical to farmers, especially in the Midwest, also creates so many jobs at biofuels facilities throughout the Midwest as well. The Inflation Reduction Act included funding towards the Higher Blends Investments Initiative Program, which helps to provide additional fuel retailers around the country with infrastructure they need to sell higher blends of biofuels like E15 and E85 so that we're expanding where those biofuels are sold across the country. Investments in sustainable aviation fuels will also unlock opportunities for biofuels as well and create a new market for renewable fuels in the future. Even with all of this increased investment in rural areas, how is the administration planning on encouraging people to continue to live in our rural areas? Because we have continued to see folks leave our rural communities and move to the suburbs and more urban areas. I would say that really speaks to the goal of these investments in rural America. The president's vision here is to create not just the support on the infrastructure side, serving the, the critical needs that rural communities have, but really unlocking economic opportunity in rural communities and creating good-paying jobs in rural communities. As we look at the investments that are coming through the president's economic agenda and the investing in America agenda. It's both with an eye for those investments towards updating our infrastructure, but also to create new economic opportunity partnered with some of the private investment that we're seeing. If you go to invest.gov, you can see both the investments coming from this administration, but also the corresponding correlated private investment that's coming that's creating new jobs in many rural communities as well. And really, the vision of this administration, the vision of this president is for, for Americans, especially in rural communities, to find the opportunities to continue their careers right there at home, to not have the need to move away from their families, to find those opportunities if they wish, and to support both small businesses in rural communities, family farmers and ranchers that we're continuing to allow for the market that allows for family farmers and ranchers to continue to succeed and creating new opportunities in rural communities moving forward as well. With $19.5 billion set aside for conservation programs and additional money that will go to support various rural infrastructure projects,